I want to recognize one of our sponsors. Have you ever felt like a lone wolf in life, unable to engage in chats around the barbecue since you're doing things that aren't the norm? Enter GoBundance, a place where driven entrepreneurs, CEOs, or investors who are beginning to experience an interesting phenomenon with more success in life, the feeling of a gap forming between ourselves and many of the people around us. One day, we wake up and find ourselves surrounded by people who may no longer see the world the same way we do. As the trend continues, we become more isolated and even find ourselves holding back from talking about things we are most excited about with friends, family, or coworkers. Cobundance was created for those who choose to live bigger and more fulfilled lives of impact. This tribe is for men and women who want to experience world-class adventure, bucketless trips, high-minded conversations, authentic relationships, and an environment to learn and grow with like-minded people. GoBundance is a tribe where you are able to share your successes, struggles, ambitions, and failures without being judged. It's a framework to strengthen your journey in becoming a better man, husband, father, friend, and entrepreneur. It is the place men come together to live epic lives and to grab life big. If you want to learn more, go to GoBundance.com and hit the apply button to join the tribe and tell them the Cashflow Ninja sent you. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. This is Cashflow Ninja. I'm MC Lobsher. Thank you so much for spending those valuable resources, your time once again with me. On the show, I've got a fantastic show for you. Um, again, before we jump into today, the center of the Cashflow Ninja universe is at cashflowninja.com. There's over 820 podcasts. We've got tools, resources, programs, and shameless plug for my book, The 21 Best Cashflow Niches, Creating Wealth and the Best Alternative Cashflow Investments, available on Amazon and also at cashflowninja.com. And when you grab a copy of the book, you get a uh, a access if you screenshot the proof of purchase to my team at infocashflowninja.com to a digital version, audio version, curated library of uh, interviews discussing the best cash flow niches so you don't have to listen to 800 episodes and more bonus goodies, everything at cashflowninja.com. I've got a fantastic guest. I'm excited to jump into conversations with him. Justin Donald is on the Cashflow Ninja show. Justin, great to see you. Thanks, MC. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And and really, thanks to you for just putting out an amazing show and educating so many people on really today's way of investing and, and today's way of getting ahead. I just think you're pouring so much heart and passion into, you know, just tangible, uh, easy to access strategies for people. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Appreciate, appreciate that comment. Um, what, uh, for folks that don't know, uh, a little bit about you and your background and they're not familiar with you. Can you please share a little bit about uh, yourself and what you've been up to and, and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So um, probably the best place to start is I, I have a brand called the Lifestyle Investor. And I wrote a book 
kind of summarizing my, you know, strategies, kind of how I invest so that I can buy my time back. And when I first started out, I didn't necessarily have a methodology MC. I just kind of, you know, was trying to figure it out just like everyone else. And I, I started out in, in, you know, very middle class uh, family, uh, working hard. I worked hard all my life, paid for my own college, was the first person in my family to uh, graduate from college, started a business um, and and really kind of learned uh, the first of all, I got into sales, learned what it was like to hustle and get paid for your work, then started a business and loved seeing uh, being able to leverage uh, programs, relationships, people, um, just human capital and programmable, you know, systems, uh, to the point that I really wanted to start figuring out how to invest my money. I had all this extra money. I knew it'd be too risky to pour it all back into my business. Um, but at the same time, my strategy investing with financial planners, wasn't adding up. It didn't, it didn't yield the results that my statement said that it yielded. I, I learned that it's a very manipulative industry where they talk on averages, an average rate of return, even though my actual return is much less than that. And in one instance, I was losing money when I had an, a positive average rate of return. And I just, I felt disgusted. I felt like I had to figure out just a different way to do it. And so that's really 15 years ago, I got into alternative investing and I invested in my very first mobile home park, which ended up being a great investment. Uh, that first park replaced my wife's income so she could stop teaching. She was a teacher at that time. Um, and then we ended up having our daughter shortly after and she was able to stay home and, and you know, really, you know, ha have a little bit more of her ideal life and more flexibility um, I bought another park that really covered our basic survival income. Uh, and then I eventually bought it. And by the way, when I say survival income, I, I just mean uh, that it covered our cost, our mortgage, our utilities, our groceries, our car payments, but not necessarily like vacations and eating out and all that. Um, and then I bought a third park and that covered the lifestyle income. So that was everything. It was our total cost of living. Those three properties covered and then I just kept buying more and more until I had all this surplus cash flow that either I was going to increase my quality of living substantially, or I was going to repurpose those dollars and invest for the long haul. And that's what I did. So I have kind of, you know, these case studies over the last 15 years of all the different investments that I did. And I had friends for years saying, write a book on this, teach people how to do this. And I was kind of behind the scenes for most of my career, which was nice. And uh, I had some friends kind of talk me into it. One of my buddies said, hey, if you died tomorrow, how would you feel that your daughter never learned any of these strategies that you use to invest? And man, that was like a punch to the gut, MC. So the next day I started writing my book. I didn't think it would go anywhere. Didn't even know if people would be interested in it. Became a number one best-selling USA Today and uh, Wall Street Journal bestseller and um, and, you know, I've got a podcast as well, like you do, where I just try to teach people how to buy assets that produce income that buy your time back. In essence, they, they break the golden handcuffs or maybe they're not even golden. Maybe you're not, you know, strapped to this lifestyle. Uh, a lot of people are, but some people they're, they're, you know, handcuffed to security 
or yeah. routine or the known versus the unknown. And so I just wanted to help rescue people say, hey, there's another way. You don't have to follow the conventional path that doesn't work for most people, though you don't realize that until it's too late. Yep. Yeah. And, and, to, your, and to your point, um, one of the things that, that really I think I've seen over the past two years, two to two, two years especially, is folks that have followed the traditional quote unquote path or what everybody else is doing, they're in a position too where they basically um, was forced to make very tough decisions because if you have only one income stream and that's cut off, cut off from you or threatened, well, now you have zero. Where if you were investing for cash flow and you have different properties and you're in different asset classes and so forth, you have options. You can go tell people to pound sand, basically, if they're trying to tell you to do one thing or another that's not aligned with who you are um, and your principles and values. So it helps you to really, I, I think the big thing was realizing what freedom means and what truly free is. So even though you have a big bank account, a big house, you know, a very low seated car, maybe a second, second property, um, and you may be at a high net worth, well, guess what? You were cornered and forced to do things that you, that you wouldn't necessarily do and make decisions that you wouldn't necessarily do because you didn't have any options, right? So it kind of like really was a, a big light bulb, I think, for a lot of folks. Oh, wait a second. What does true freedom really mean? Nobody can tell me what to do because I have all this income coming in for different asset classes, right? What are you? What are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we were even talking off air right before we started here about this whole notion that, from a, a societal standpoint, I don't know how this happened, but net worth is this important number that people charge after, and I know a ton of people that are asset rich and cash poor. So when push comes to shove, you can't just sell most of these assets really quickly, or even for the value that you think, or if it's businesses and you're tied to it, then you get a much lesser value than what you think the business is worth. And so I just see a lot of people in addition to that, that really are a slave to their business. They're a slave to the money that they make. They're a slave to the lifestyle that they've become accustomed to all for this, you know, disease of like more money. And uh, I don't think that that's the way that it's supposed to be. I, I think culturally it, it has shifted in that direction. And if you ask young people, like what's, you know, what, what are your top goals? You know, I was just reading a study on this and number one is to be rich. And number two is to be famous. Um, and, and so I feel like our values have shifted out of alignment. And I actually think people want that not even realizing that what they really want is different, that the cost to have freedom, to be financially free, to do life on your terms, to instead of living life on default, living life by design, the cost of that is substantially less than what people think it is. When you think in terms of net worth, that's a big number to get to. When you think in terms of like a dollar amount, like in expenses per month, it's so much less. And you don't have to have millions of dollars of net worth. You need cash flow. Cash flow for me always trumps um, a, a net worth number. And even from the standpoint of business MC, a lot of people, you know, when, when they look at businesses and I, I invest in a lot of businesses, I bought and sold businesses. Um, but when you're running them, a lot of people, anyone who, who really, uh, understands this world, 
they recognize that the balance sheet and the profit and loss is nowhere close to as important as the cash flow statement because the cash flow statement's real. That's where you are today. And that matters substantially. You can have a, you can manipulate numbers to make a, um, you know, these other financial statements look good. Uh, just like a lot of these big companies do on the public, you know, it, it, you know, the public equities, the the stock market, just companies that we can invest in. There are a lot of manipulations, but at the end of the day, that that statement of cash flow is like that's a survival number, and you can have a positive profit and loss statement and no cash flow, and you're going to sink really fast. So same thing, like if we can adopt that in our personal lives and say, hey, let's stop focusing on net worth, let's focus on cash flow, and as you grow your cash flow by default as a natural byproduct, you're going to grow your net worth, but the cash flow is more important because it gives you freedom today. I want to recognize one of our sponsors. Recently, I had a very engaging and exciting podcast conversation that is one of the most downloaded episodes of this year with my friend, Louis O'Connor. The subject was owning rare earth metals as tangible assets. It's the same paradigm as owning gold or silver, but instead you own industrial grade, high quality, rare earth metals that you are purchasing from a premier industry supplier. And the exit for the investor is also guaranteed. One of the most interesting things about this asset clause is that rare earths outperform the stock market and precious metals for the past five years. Unfortunately, there is only a limited amount available to private investors. If you would like to find out more about this exciting and limited opportunity, then please go directly to the website www.strategicmetalsinvest.com or email them at info at strategicmetalsinvest.com. Yeah. It absolutely does. And to your point, I was kind of chuckling when you're saying big companies can torture any of this or changes data because when you torture data, it confesses, right? So right. Uh, the cash flow basically determines whether the business survives or goes under. But essentially, the the rest of it, uh, with the bells and whistles and, and and the statements that they're sharing, that can be doctored or tortured until it, conf- it confesses. That's right. That's right. There's no doubt about it. And you know, at the end of the day, I think what people really want is to carve out the time to create a life that is intentional and by design. It's really funny when I ask people, you know, I've got a, a number of people I've coached over the years. And one of the questions I always ask them is, Hey, what do you want out of life? What's the ideal life? What does that look like? You know, tell me a story, write, write it out, get really clear. And, and nine out of 10 times people default to, well, I'm not sure what I want, but I can tell you what I don't want. I don't want this or that, or this, I don't like this, but most people, People are not very clear on what they do want because they don't take the time to think about it. You know, we live in this world where we're just constantly bombarded and, you know, you've got a business and you got this fire to put out. You're an employee and someone calls you in on, on this day or whatever the thing is. Like, it's so easy to be living in a reactionary world versus this world that's proactive where we're trying to design the ideal life for ourselves, for our families, trying to figure out the, the values that are most important to us and to our families and what we want to instill. And, you know, I, I had a, a, a wake up call at one point in time when um, my what I thought was 
real wasn't real. You know, at one point in time, I remember having this conversation where I, I said um, to my family, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I have all kinds of uh, family time in my planner, you know, and uh, and I had someone say, well, what do you schedule first? And like, kind of add this up. And so, you know, with a blank calendar, what do you plug in? And I said, well, I guess I put all my work stuff in. And that was a big eye opener where I was like, wait a minute, why don't I plug in all my family stuff? Why don't I plug in the things that are important to me and then put work around that? Yep. Um, and then it's funny because I wanted to say that I was, you know, I was very successful as a family man, but my schedule didn't reflect that. I felt like it, but the truth was my schedule. And so I had to really own up to the fact that I thought I was doing a better job than what I was really doing. And I didn't want to do family by default. I wanted to be a family man intentionally and proactively. Yeah, I think that that's very powerful. It's something that, you know, I came to a realization too a while ago and changed completely, restructured my weeks, um, restructured my time. Uh, which is your most important, most valuable resource, right? So it's yeah. can't can't get that back, especially if you have young ki- younger kids. That's right. Yeah, and and this whole notion of you know us buying our time back, I don't I don't think many people are talking about it because I don't I don't know that people think that that is a possibility or reality, but it very much is, and it doesn't take a lot of assets to produce the cash flow that you need. And you can start small. You don't have to hit a home run. In fact, you probably won't hit a home run with your very first deal. You know, I feel like I got lucky that I found a deal that I was able to make enough to replace my wife's income, but um, I could have easily found a deal that just covered my utilities. And then another deal that covered my mortgage and, and, you know, you just piece it together. I went for kind of a a bigger play and I had worked hard and I had saved a lot of money to be able to do it. But I coach people all the time on how to start small and just start replacing small pieces of income until it adds up to a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean that your goal, I mean, it's, there's so much similarities between the two of us. My wife is also a former teacher. She's at home with our kids now. That's awesome. And that was one of the things that like, the, and you build towards that. This is how much it will take to replace her income. This is how much it will take to replace the household income. And this is, and then you're financially independent. And then you plan for your, like you said, your lifestyle spending too. On top of that, your, now your, your financial freedom number where money no longer becomes a reason why, why you're not doing anything. Uh, so I appreciate that. I, I kind of like when I, when you were sharing that, I'm like, man, there's so many similarities here. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Um, you share 10, uh, the, uh, the, well, the 10 commandments of cash flow investing and passive income. And we've got a lot of uh, folks that are investors, some active, some passive. We've got some business owners maybe that's looking to, um, you know, looking to, to, to put some money in, in assets other than their business, as you were saying, um, to diversify, especially in the time of today. What are some of the things that you can share with regards to the 10 commandments that you that you share with folks from a strategic standpoint of how to accomplish that? Sure. I mean, first of all, the way you say the 10 commandments sounds way cooler than the way I say it. I wish I could have you follow me around and just have you say it. That sounds great. Um, so really what my 10 commandments are, are my 10 criteria for investing. So I, I basically was investing in a way where in the early days, I didn't have a criteria. I just knew deep down that I wanted cash flow and I wanted to, you know, have 
a an investment that wasn't very risky that would also appreciate. So it's like all these things that I wanted to kind of line up. And subconsciously, I kind of had some other criteria that maybe I didn't quite feel or, or recognize yet. And then at a certain point in time, I had friends that encouraged me like, hey, just kind of map out what it is that you do. Like, look at all your deals. And so that's what I did. And I came up with my 10 commandments. And so that, you know, that's the subtitle of my book. And, um, you know, it, it starts with number commandment number one, which is lifestyle first. And I really think that we should be investing in a way that supports our lifestyle, that um, helps us get clear with, what it costs us to live our life, what it costs us to live the life that we desire. And if you are looking to transition out of something that you're doing, you know, the one thing that I realize is we can be in different places in time where at one point, maybe we're willing to put more work in for a greater return. So more hours for a greater return. But then at a certain point, you're going to get to a place where you say, well, I don't need as big of a return. I just don't want to put in as much time. And so you sacrifice return to, to gain some, some more time. And I think if you're younger, if you don't have a family, you might say, hey, let me do some of these real estate deals. I'm going to be the person that runs it and I'll get a better return because I got the time. Uh, or maybe you're transitioning from a profession and you're going to do that profession. So you're, you're swapping time. Other people may say, hey, I, I don't want to swap professions or, you know, maybe I, uh, I like what I do. I just don't like how many hours I do it or how demanding it can be. So um, why don't I do things passively? Uh, I can invest in a way that produces the income that once it covers, I can then dictate my schedule a little bit more. Or if you own a business, it's, you know, hey, maybe focus on covering the cash flow so that way you can choose what roles you have in the business. You can choose to just come in and uh, run the things you want or just hire a C-suite or you know some key executives to run the business. I've just found that when you get clear on what you want and you're focused on what lifestyle is ideal to you, great things are going to happen. So that's kind of where it starts. But immediately right out of the gates after that, commandment number two is really to reduce the risk and it's to find ways to protect the investment. How do I ensure that if I invest this money that I'm going to get it back, that I'm not going to lose it? Because the greatest loss isn't a bad return. It's losing all the money that you then have to work, you know, twice as hard to get back. It's, and it's a lost opportunity cost forever. Yep. So how do you collateralize against assets that have more value? How do you collateralize against assets that have two, three, five, ten times the value? So if something goes wrong, you get an asset that you can sell for a massive profit. So that's one way to do it. Um, th there's a ton of different techniques I give in, in my book, and I've used, I mean, numerous ones, but the goal is uh, to not lose money. So I'm okay getting a lesser return as long as my investment is protected. And so that, you know, is kind of like the one, two punch lifestyle first, reduce the risk. Number three commandment. Number three is find invisible deals. The more deals you can find off market, the less competition there is. The more deals that you can approach someone that maybe isn't even thinking about an investment, but you say, Hey, let's just find a win-win. That's a great deal because it wasn't even on the table. You created it. Right. And and so, or if you notice trends that are happening, if you recognize the direction we're going, if you're paying attention to uh, consumer spending habits that are different between baby boomers and Gen X and millennials, you might notice some trends that are going to happen. And for me, I've been able to pick up on a bunch of trends 
early on that really benefited me, such as single family home rentals, mobile home parks, um, e-commerce, SaaS and technology companies, cannabis, CBD, hemp, um, among cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin specifically, like there are a handful of things that I just saw the writing on the wall. I saw the trends and the shift, the disruption, the transformation that was beginning to happen. And I just rode that. I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. One of the best cash flow niches might surprise you. It's the cash flow machine called Resort Hospitality. Our friends and partners, Melanie and Josh McCallan from Accountable Equity are so prolific at creating cash flow for their investors that I had to include them twice in my book, The 21 Best Cash Flow Niches. Something that really impresses me about this dynamic group is that more than just creating cash flow with these historic trophy resort properties, they are also creating a powerful investor community with an accountable equity. Investors not only get to enjoy cash flow from beautiful resorts, but can enjoy the resorts and attend Learn and Grow Investor Summits, where like-minded accredited investors gather to learn from keynote speakers, as well as get updates on their projects and meet the growing team that makes all of this possible. You can learn more how the asset clause of resort hospitality is a great way to diversify your multifamily investments by downloading the ebook, The 10 Steps to Build Wealth with Resort Hospitality Assets at AccountableEquity.com. Yeah. No, those are those are great. And I love what you said about collateralizing too. It's a big, big part of our strategy using different assets to kind of hedge, protecting your asset of what you have so that you position the capital first efficiently and effectively, then deploying it into an asset so that if something happens there, you still have it over here. So it's not a complete, complete bust. So I really like that. And then the trends too. I mean, there are so many right now. I mean, uh, you know, and even things that you might look at certain things that you're like, that's not quite for me, but it's good to understand what it is and that there's a market for it. So one example, I had a conversation with someone about the metaverse, essentially, which, you know, initially that whole idea is not very attractive for me, folks sitting, you know, in shoe boxes with their goggles on eating bugs type of thing, you know, living in, vir- in the virtual world. But the economy and the ecosystem that's built out there. I mean, the other side, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly is, yeah, there's a huge opportunity there in certain niches within that already. You know, I mean, people are buying and selling real estate in there, making money. So it's a trend that could potentially be caught on. And like you said, the other ones too, it's great to recognize them early. What are some of the things, because, um, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing, obviously, we live in uncertain times, end of cycles, you know, fourth turning, uh, generational cycles, empire cycles, economic market, monetary system cycles, all that kind of stuff. Lots of uncertainty, lots of disruption, that kind of stuff. What are some of the opportunities that you see out of a, a crazy environment um, and a chaotic environment? Yeah. Now that may be one of my favorite questions out there. I feel like just on this one question, we could do a two hour podcast and just scratch the surface of it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's some truth to this. So 
there's so many different cycles converging, so many different things going on in the world. Uh, how do you really know what's happening, when it's going to happen? No one knows. You know, you've got speculators all across the board. No one knows. But what I do know, since since I recognize that I don't know for sure, but what I so then I want to get clear on what I do know. So I can't control what I don't know. But what do I know? Well, I know that every single day the dollar is becoming less valuable. All right. More money is being printed. It's becoming uh, maybe less secure in the, the eyes of other sovereign nations. So the dollar in itself is becoming less valuable. So I need to hedge against that. I shouldn't sit too much in cash. I should probably have enough cash for emergencies. I should have enough cash for, you know, or at least money that can be liquid for, you know, three to 12 months, depending on where you're at in that journey. Um, but beyond that, I want to buy assets. Assets will appreciate at the same level as the, the money is being printed at the same level as uh, what it costs, how much more dollars it costs to buy the same item, the same widget, the same service. And so if I'm in an asset, then I'm hedging against that. Uh, so I like that. And there's the room to appreciate. So every dollar that gets printed means that it costs more dollars to buy whatever the thing is. So my, my, you know, let's say real estate is appreciating my companies that I've invested in. They're appreciating at that same degree. And then if you're actually good and you can improve them, then they'll appreciate even more. You can grow the value of them even more. Um, but I just want to protect against my money becoming worth less. And so I think this is like a big reason that there are people that are big into gold and big into Bitcoin. And by the way, I think they're both great. And this whole battle of what's better and whatever, hey, these are both, I mean, if you you can look at things different ways. You could look at them as, hey, I want to invest in these so I make money. I don't look at them that way. I say, hey, I want to invest in these so I don't lose money. I just want something that's not uh, directly correlated uh, or has an inverse relationship to the dollar. So gold, I don't think gold's going to go to the moon, but I bet you it's going to be more secure than the dollar. Same with Bitcoin. Uh, and so that's why I like those. So to me, I just want to own assets. I don't want to be too heavy in cash, but I want to have access to cash immediately, quickly for any emergency that could come up. That's great. And this brings up a, another point that I see a lot is the maximalist view. And it's great marketing. You know, it's great. It's great marketing. It catches attention to make uh, over exaggerated, you know, statements, that kind of stuff gets attention in a crazy world filled with noise, which is very, very hard to get attention these days. I mean, between <laughs> all of the chaos Constantly, when you wake up every day, how do you how do you even get some attention? So I understand that that part of it, but in reality, <clears throat> excuse me, it's kind of comical to see the arguments between, like, for example, gold versus Bitcoin. It's like you should have both. You shouldn't bet all your 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 currency or your capital on one horse. You should have a stable of horses. And you mentioned all three, and I've actually talked about the stable of horses approach is having cash, having some gold, having some so, some uh, Bitcoin for a capital allocation, obviously outside of your, your cash flowing assets. Because in any environment, I mean, like you said, we don't know what we don't know. 
So how do you build a strategy? How do you protect your lifestyle? Well, you have to prepare for anything and everything, whether it's inflation, whether it's deflation. You know, there could be a huge wild card. I don't know, a debt market popping, a war starting, you know, very deflationary. What are you going to do then? How does, how does your positioning look like, uh, then? So I appreciate what you said about looking at having both of those anti-fiats to hedge against the, the fiat system at the moment, and then also being in other spaces, because I think folks get drawn into this maximalist kind of world where it's like, well, I made all of my money in single family real estate, so that's the only way to do it. Or oh, I made all my money in Bitcoin, so that's the only way to do it, right? Yeah, but they're also, it's, so it's funny that that happens and I get it because people only know what they know. And so then you tend to project like this worked for me, therefore this is the best way, but there's so many different ways. And then the other thing that I think people forget to recognize is that there are economic cycles. So what works in one season may not work the same in another season. And so I just always want to be prepared just in case what happens if gold does tank? What happens if Bitcoin tanks? What happens if you know our fiat currency tanks? Um, I want to have cash flow in in fiat in the country I live in. If I have residencies or or you know other homes in other places, or I spend extended time there, I probably want cash flow in those fiat currencies as well. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the big winner is going to be. Some things are going to be losers. And they and they may have been winners like for the last 100 years and they're still a loser. Right. Um, that's just kind of the way that the you know, everything ebbs and flows. And so I think that uh, instead of being all in on one thing, why not we take a few different paths just in case? Because I mean, this is what all the, the greatest hedge funds and money managers do is they hedge. They have a bunch of different scenarios. Uh, and a, a bunch of different holdings that are going to react differently in different economic times, different economic scenarios. And I think that's what we want to do as best we can. And they do different things for you in your portfolio. Like what you were mentioning earlier on, there's different reasons why you invest in different things. So some might be more cash flow. Some might be more appreciation. Some might be more taxes. So some, some might be all three of them. Um, but it, depending on what you're, where you are on your journey and what your goals are, that's what you should probably figure in of what do I need. If you're a high-paying professional that's getting started, one of your biggest challenges is probably a very large tax bill. So there are things that you could do to immediately cut down your tax bill, free up more cash flow, now roll that into other investments, and now you have more, more money to invest with. Where if you're someone that starts in a position, maybe you're a small business owner, that taxes isn't necessarily your biggest thing, but you are looking more for diversification and an income stream and maybe an appreciation play outside of your business, right? I want to take a moment to recognize one of our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. At The Real Asset Investor, Dave and his team bring their investors high-yield investment opportunities across several asset classes for cash flow, tax impact, and equity growth. He and his team are one of the top five ATM operators in the country, and they have an investment opportunity available to accredited investors right now in the ATM space. To learn more about their ATM funds, 
that produce tax-free cash flow, visit therealassetinvestor.com. Yeah, from a tax standpoint, you really get ahead being an entrepreneur or having, you know, ha- having some sort of additional business, whether it be real estate, whether it be another company, something that you can write expenses off through, something that you can depreciate your assets from. Uh, and so if you are a if you're a high income earning professional, your number one focus should be mitigating your tax bill because that is likely going to be a greater return than any investment you make. And if you get into real estate, even if you are not the person running the real estate, um, you can still talk to your CPA, but you can become a real estate professional for tax purposes and you can take passive losses against active income. And that's really where you want to be. I mean, that that can be a huge like offset. Let's say that you're earning 500,000, a million dollars and you buy properties and you can accelerate the depreciation and roll that against your, your earned income. Uh, that's incredible. Earned income is the highest taxed income out there. So you, you pay more taxes on that money than anything else. So to protect against that is massive. And so you're killing two birds with one stone. You're lessening your tax bill and you're investing. You know, you're putting assets to work. You know, we talked about not being a maximalist for, for anything. Most people are maximists, even maximal, they, they maximize, uh, they, they maximize their business as their number one. So they don't realize they're a maximalist. They, but what they do is they pour all their assets into their business to grow their business. And then uh, hopefully their business works out. If it doesn't, then they've lost all that money. And most businesses don't work out. And as we've seen today, the strongest businesses can get shaken in a crazy, never seen before pandemic, you know, like what we saw in the last couple of years. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of businesses that got caught off guard with that you know, and now we're virtual, Uh, the habits are in place, right? Yeah. Uh, We humans, we're strange creatures. So we haven't reverted back quite to how we operated uh, operated before, which has brought about this, this virtual, virtual marketplace. And it continues, continues to grow. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, any type of uh, collapse, any type of uncertainty, any type of um, unknown is always going to create opportunity. Most people aren't going to look for it. Most people are going to be probably stuck in a scarcity mindset of what they're losing, what's not going right, what they used to have versus what they have today. You have the minority percentage of the population that's looking at like, wow, here are some really cool opportunities. Let's move forward with these things. And those are some of the biggest game changers, right? In some of the, the worst economic times, some of the greatest ideas, greatest companies, greatest inventions have been discovered. And I'd say in this pandemic, we've seen a lot of good people hurt, which is really a sad thing. And conversely, we've seen a lot of innovation, like a tr- tremendous amount. Like to, for me, in, in terms of like active years, like I haven't seen the innovation in any you know, cycle that I feel like I've been old enough to recognize as I have in this one. Um, Incredible stuff happening. And uh, and to your point, so many opportunities and there's so many different ways to capitalize on them. You know, one of the things was I was listening to a conversation Jim Rogers had recently too, which, I mean, I always listen when Jim talks, he's got some, he's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, He's been on the show a couple of times. And one of the things that he was sharing 
was, um, you know, how to play, for example, capital flowing from one area to another area. The area that he was talking about was electric vehicles. So how do you play? Well, do you just buy Tesla stock? You know, no, he was looking at, well, what's used for electric vehicles? Well, it's they're basically battery companies, you know, or that that segment. It's a bat- it's it's a battery focused uh, product. So what's in a battery? Oh, copper. So he positions themselves in copper. So he was just talking about a, a different attack mode where you just have to figure out where capital is going from from what area it's going to the other area that it's going. And then there's different ways of to 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 strategize of how to position yourself. Because um, again, maybe the herd realizes that that's where it's going. They're headed there, so they're all running into Tesla, let's just say, shares. But on the other side, there's a huge opportunity to get on the and on, on the commodity side. Totally. And to your point, uh, I mean, I, I think what you said is perfect. Uh, my mastermind just invested, uh, and I had, had previously invested in this company called Freewire, and they're developing the state-of-the-art technology for uh, batteries that will source all the EV charging stations and beyond, just a lot of other places, in a very small package uh, with much faster speeds and just a totally innovative technology where you've got some of the biggest you know, Fortune 100 companies that are plowing money into this thing. So it's like what you said, um, in order for me to get a piece of this market, I don't need to go to, I mean, I could go to Tesla, but that's like a fragment of it. And the, the market's going to take off whether Tesla does or not. If, if, you know, Elon Musk has some crazy tweet, it can in a moment shrink or grow the value of the company. That to me is not rational. But uh, if I can have dollars in patented uh, technology that improves, enhances by light years, the ability to um, to impact charging stations, to impact speed time, to actually build these, to shrink the amount of space, to help gas stations as they become uh, less relevant and more obsolete, to create a good business model because most of their income is made on the convenience store sales side of things, not on the gas, right? It's getting people in the door. So, yep. I mean, this is going to be huge for them. You know, the list goes on and on. But I, I, again, it's like spotting those those markets, those industries, those sectors where we know what the future trends are. And by the way, we also know based on the legislation that's being passed, where tax capital is going towards, where are the breaks, where are the credits, uh, you know, where are the grants, where are all the dollars going towards? Well, you know, this one is huge. Yeah, you just bring up a fantastic point. How does it, long does it take right now to charge? Like an electric vehicle, it takes quite a quite a while, right? It does. So what are folks going to do while they wait at charging stations? Yep, they need Gotta, something to do. And, and yeah, what about the so, places that have limited parking, so they can't afford to have long wait times? They need a fast wait time because you know some of these small gas stations might only have I don't know six parking spots, ten parking spots. Well, you can't have them all full. They need to be you know recycling people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many opportunities there. One of the other examples, too, that he obviously with the Rogers Index is agriculture, right? So, oh, yeah. Um, and talking about that, but one of the other ways from a two prong attack, yes, you can combine the, you could buy farmland or farm or uh, ranches, as a lot of folks that we know are, are, are doing, or uh, buy in, you know, indexes, that kind of stuff. Or one of the other ways that, 
that a lot of folks were discussing and sharing was the fertilizer component of that. Yeah. So you don't have fertilizer, there's nothing that you're growing. That's right. And and really what you all you need to do is look at what the government is subsidizing or looking what look at what they're going to give you deductions on or depreciation. Where, where does the tax code serve you if you're doing the things the government wants? I used to read, you know, tax code and think, oh, the government just wants to stop us from doing all these things. and They want to collect all this money. But really what it is, it's it's them saying, hey, if you do these things, we're going to really hook you up because our nation needs these things. And and one of them is agriculture. One of them is renewable energy. One of them is housing. I mean, the list goes on and on. Just study that and you'll figure out where your dollars, A, will be a great return because you know it's what the government wants or needs. And B, you're going to get some sort of deduction, some sort of tax credit, some sort of perk to investing dollars in that space. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, is there one or two uh, other commandments that you wanted to share with us? And then my listeners and viewers can grab the rest with your book, which will post uh, links to the show notes too. It's The Lifestyle Investor, The Ten Commandments of Cashflow Investing for Passive Income and Financial Freedom. Yeah. Uh, and again, you say it the best. I just need you to keep saying it, uh, MC. But, uh, you know, I, I can go in order here because I, I do think that there is uh, a cadence to you know, kind of uh, the strategy as I've laid it out, because my, my fourth commandment is to get your principal back quickly. And that one's really important to me. I think this is one that's often missed where a lot of people invest for the long term. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that they think that what they want to do is they, they invest all their money in their business. And then whatever they don't put in their business, they put in the stock market. So a lot of people are like 100% in their business. A lot of people are 100% in the stock market. You know, entrepreneurs are often like 90% in their business, 10% in the stock market. And then with their extra dollars, when they feel like they're really doing a good job investing, they start angel investing and investing in like super risky startup companies where I just, I joke around with it, but I call it, you know, it's a, it's a high risk investment uh, that is a 0% return on capital that it has an undefined or unknown term and you don't know if you're ever going to get it back. And you may not even know for 15 years that it didn't work out. So it's just probably not the way to invest. So for me, I want to get my money back quickly. I'm not, um, I think that when you don't have cash flow to cover your expenses, that is the most important thing. So as I start out, I can give a few examples, but I put money, you know, let's say one example, I put money into a real estate play. It was a, a multifamily. This deal was getting refinanced within one year. I was going to have my money back in one year. Uh, this group had already worked with the bank. They'd already arranged it and it was going to be a quick turnaround. Um, and so I was able to get my money out of that deal. I still had equity because it was just a return of my investment. So I still had equity, but I had my initial $100,000 back. So I invested 100000 there, got it back within a year. Next, I took that same money, I invested it into a note, but I was able to get an equity kicker, uh, which is just free equity. And I talk about this more in my book, but it's, it's one of my favorite negotiation um, tools or, or perks where I can actually loan money to someone, but get some equity and then get all my money back within a year or so. And so I had another one year note where I got 20% interest. So I got a return every single month. I got this interest only payment. At one year, I got a balloon of all my money back, but I still had equity. So now I've got two assets with equity, same dollars. Take that dollar, uh, that 100,000, I put it into an operating company. 
Uh, I bring on a partner that I give a bunch of equity to and, and give you know him just an incredible opportunity to run and grow a business. And I have an accelerated distribution schedule. So uh, until I get all my money back out, that $100,000, the majority of the distributions go to me. Um, and, and often I'll structure it that they exclusively go to me till my money's out. Then it splits based on the equity uh, on the cap table. Um, so I was able to get all my money out of that deal in less than a year, close to six months. So now I've got three deals, same money, equity in all three of them. I've got my $100,000 back. I make my next investment into my fourth, my fifth, so on and so forth. But it's the same dollars and it's creating cash flow in each investment. So I have cash flow every month and I have equity even when I have all my money out of the deal. That is what I call the velocity of money. And that to me is why I want my principal back quickly. If my principal is back and the deal flops, I'm out. Like I, I have no risk. Like the moment my money is back, I, I, I have no risk. Yep. It's all house money at that point in time. So to get your principal back quickly, you're de-risking the deal. And then I follow that up with commandment five, which is cash flow immediately. I like to invest. If I don't have cash flow to cover my lifestyle, I'm going to invest until I do. And only then am I going to deviate into other riskier investments. That's my strategy. That's my philosophy. It's worked well for me, worked well for a lot of people in my mastermind that I've coached on how to do this. And I just think that you want to cover the cash flow first. And so if you can invest in an asset class that's going to appreciate anyway, but you get cash flow during that hold period, I mean, that's a total win. Uh, and so, you know, the rest of my uh, commandments are super relevant as well, but they kind of build on each one. And, you know, just, uh, just to give everyone the 10th commandment, which is one of my favorites, uh, that one said every dollar gets a return. And, and what I mean by this is the, in, the professionals that I invest money into, um, CPAs, attorneys, masterminds, coaches, whatever, like I want to get a return on that information, on that education. I don't want to hire people to do things for me. I want to hire people to teach me why and how they are doing the things for me that they think as a professional and as an expert, they should be doing. So that way, when I show up next time, I'm more skilled, I've got a stronger foundation, and I can make better decisions because my education has been enhanced. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I look at every single cent to pay to advisors and investment because there's a multiple in return, whether it be mental capital, the relationship, and then financial capital too. There's returns in every single one of those investments too. This has been, this has been fantastic, this conversation. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, one of the, the big things about my show is we talk about cash flow, we talk about business, we talk about creating this incredible lifestyle and living our legacy today. Um, instead of waiting 30 to 40 years to do that and escaping the rat race. But one of the things that's near and dear to me is principles and values. Because in the end, you know, you want to be able to leave something to the next generation uh, without it being money for them to build uh, success and, 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 and wealth and, and, and happiness. So if you cannot pass on anything to future generations, but only we're allowed to pass on three principles and values to them, no money, uh, what would they be? 
Well, I, I think that this kind of goes with the first part of my being intentional and carving out time to actually get clear on what you want. And so our family kind of has these family meetings and we discuss, we've come up with our own values. And by the way, I think that if you really want to get clear, you have values, I have values, like there are individual values. And then there are, you know, familial values that I think really are important. And so for me, um, relationships are, are really uh, an integral part of everything that I do. And so I want to honor my time with people. I want to, you know, get to, I want to intentionally identify those that are, that, that I want to have a deep or deeper relationship with and be intentional about scheduling time with those people. Um, for me, and then also I want to have room for new relationships that, you know, are really stimulating and exciting, or, uh, maybe it's even in a mentorship way where I can pour into someone and, and that's rewarding on both sides. Uh, and then I'm also really intentional with who my mentors are. So I would say, you know, education, mentorship, uh, I, I, uh, am, I, I always make a list of who my top five mentors in different categories that I'm going to kind of glean wisdom from. Uh, th that is really, really important to me. Uh, and then I want to make sure that uh, I'm leading our family with, you know, just fun and adventure and excitement. And so those would be for like me, my three core uh, values, or, you know, I kind of gave like a series of values, but under the banner of like one primary. Awesome. Appreciate that. Um, Justin, where can folks follow you? Where can they stay in touch of all the many things that you're involved with and all the great content uh, that you're putting out? Listen to your podcast to where can they where can they touch base? Yeah, well, um, the probably the best place is to go to justindonald.com. I've got everything there that you could want to find. Um, I've got an online course. I've got a couple different master classes, one on mobile home parks, one on passive income. I've got a mastermind that currently has a wait list right now and a, and a pretty lengthy application process, but uh, for the right fit, it's an incredible group of, you know, a hundred very like-minded, impressive entrepreneurs and professionals. Um, and then, you know, in addition to that, I've got my podcast that uh, it's called the lifestyle investor. And I have awesome guests on that show as you do. And I feel like it's such a great way to learn for free. Of course, I've got a blog and, you know, other, uh, you know, free content for people. And then for anyone that wants to get my book, you could of course go to Amazon. Um, but for your, your audience, um, they can go to lifestyleinvestorbook.com and they'll get a free copy as long as they pay the shipping to get it to them. And uh, that's just a way I could say thank you to you uh, and your audience. And then side note, all the money, all the proceeds for the lifestyle investor all go towards a uh, just an incredible organization called Love Justice International, and they stop human trafficking in 24 countries around the world. So I don't see a dime of that money. That all goes to a cause. I want the I want the content to go to financial freedom. I want that education to be financial freedom. But I want the the actual proceeds to go to buying true human life freedom back. Awesome. Awesome. This has been a blast, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on and having a fantastic conversation and sharing your journey uh, and your knowledge and providing so much value for all of my listeners and viewers.
Thanks, MC. I, I just love what you're doing. I appreciate being on. And, and uh, I just I hope that your audience knows how blessed they are to have someone like you kind of just paving the way and, and teaching and sharing and kind of giving a different mindset. Uh, I think you're doing great things for the world. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. And thank you to you, the listener and the viewer, spending most valuable resource your time once again with me on the show, Everything Cashflow Ninja is at CashflowNinja.com, the center of the Cashflow Ninja universe. Uh, Until next time, live infinitely. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.